in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call at 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester and Florence. Greg? Right. Today, we're going to talk about six common misconceptions about retirement. Now, avoid these common misconceptions and biases, too. And uh, you hopefully you can you can positively more positively impact your golden years. I guess golden years, but it sounds so maybe sounding. Yeah, silver. (laughs) Good one. Just for men, just for women out there. Synopsis here for our show. If you think about the big picture that's planning for your major life events, well, it could be very exciting, but it could be a little stressful too. Maybe you've experienced a little of that already. Some events, they might include big wedding days, having a child who has a child, starting a new job, buying another new home or a second home, retirement itself, the event, leaving that workplace for the last time, saying goodbye and changing your whole social I guess, uh, activity roster in the week that follow, weeks and years that follow. Maybe even setting up those annual family vacations. We see a lot of that in our practice where people are, at least in the first 10 years of retirement, like to set up those uh, big family vacations where mom and dad oftentimes subsidize most of the trip. Be careful there. You can go too far too long with some of that subsidization and not transition where the kids are paying a little bit more of their own way. Maybe even treating you to lunch and dinner, right? Well, anyway... These events, they should require some thought, even deep thought. And it is a planning process as you think through it. So some people, well, they enjoy the planning process and will take time to do it. And others, not so much. Some people, you'll seek help by hiring professionals such as us. You know you do it in other areas of life, like a wedding planner. You might even have a golf coach or a tennis coach. Uh, you, You just will have some people give you instruction on things that matter to you using a travel agent to plan a big vacation. I mean, you just, you could take the do-it-yourself approach too. You know, I always wonder sometimes when I do more of that, if if I'm missing something, I'll look back and think, well, maybe I should have hired a travel agent or gotten some help like we used to, you know. Why does it have to be a used to? Why do we always think we have to do everything ourselves when there's a combination where we can benefit by the instruction of others who have gone ahead, gone before us, know the way, and we could follow and enjoy more maybe with less stress and maybe at a better cost and outcome and total cost of ownership of whatever experience that is. Anyway, regardless of which type of person you might be versus us, it's important to plan properly in order to be successful. No one says you can't plan yourself, but in order to be successful, you might want to get a tour guide. I know in the old wagon train days, you know, when folks would travel across America in the wild west, going west like to Oregon or Washington and California, the gold rush days, They would cross a lot of, let's say, hostile territory, unfamiliar settings and environments. And it wasn't it was not unusual to have someone lead the wagon train. 
it was even more common to have a scout who would go ahead, you know, pre-adventure and, and look out and then report back. And that information was used very beneficially and helpful to map and chart the way for those people to get there successfully. Now, I know in that example, some people not having success may have ended up losing their life. Well, you know, you could fall uh, short of success and lose your nest egg. So there is a comparison. There's a contrast there. There is a connection. Anyway, we want to discuss the importance of all this as it relates to retirement planning, how to avoid those common misconceptions. There are such things as behavioral biases, right? If you've been around some significant other for many years or most of your life now, you may have noticed some of these behavioral <clears throat> realities. I won't say uh, incidents or inconveniences, but anyway, when it comes to retirement planning, your tendencies and behaviors and and predisposition could actually combine blended with a misconception or two. Well, it could affect every area of your life throughout retirement and beyond. And your golden years, they should be the best years of your life. So we want to be clear and clear the air and make sure you understand the next phase of your life a little better. All right. Well, let's get to the thought-provoking questions that tie into today's show. So for starters, how should I prioritize the tax status? That means qualified versus maybe non-qualified. As far as my investment accounts, my nest egg, what should we do first? Should we invest in the 401k, the 403b at work? Should we start transitioning to IRAs that are individually owned? How about non-tax qualified accounts? And depending upon what stage of life that you're in, maybe it's also 529 plans, HSAs, those different types of things. There's usually a certain sequence of what they should be invested in first, second, third, and fourth. But for the workplace plans, the employer-sponsored plans, it kind of starts with this. Is there an employer match? And if there is an employer match and you're not taking advantage of it, it's like you're turning down free money. Now, another one, as we get older and closer, hopefully wiser as well, but anyways, older and closer to retirement, should we start de-risking by investing predominantly in bonds? In other words, how should our risk tolerance change or should it change as we get older and closer to retirement. What are some financial vehicles that should be considered to help avoid market volatility? And yes, recently market volatility has been a thing once again. What type of income strategy should, should we have if we don't have a pension? Just in those four, <clears throat> excuse me, initial items kind of tied together, maybe you need to step outside the box and think a different way. Maybe you should be overfunding uh, a life insurance product that can link to market indices for growth, have no downside, such as an annuity or a life insurance policy itself, where you overfund it to where you're paying more than the premiums for the death benefit that would pay your people you love tax-free, but so that you can have this abundance of cash that is a growth investment vehicle inside the vehicle of the life insurance policy to take loans against later in life, and those loans would be access to cash flow tax-free because taxes are becoming an increasing concern for those, well, at least for those with money, you know, because taxes don't come from people who don't have any money. And the people who have money are not only paying taxes, but are wearing a big target on their back to pay even more than their share, far more. So let's let's just get prepared, work together, and let us help be your scout, your tour guide of some of these solutions that would be best matched to you so you can succeed and not get, not get, well, 
mowed over by taxes, poor planning, bad investments, poor allocations, wrong choice of accounts and investments by tax status, like James just talked about, qualified, non-qualified, how much in the company, how much privately invested, what types of investments, but it goes on. And yes, these investments could be growth, they could be income, they'd be a combination in their purpose, because as James left off here, what kind of income strategy should you have if you don't have a pension? Well, you better have some kind of income strategy because retirement is about cash flow. What are your sources of monthly cash flow throughout every month of your retirement? Once there is no earned income coming in, no more paycheck, if you will. Well, Just, following up on the concept of the pension, there's the corporately funded pension and there's also the privately funded pension, the self-funded pension. So Social Security, by the way, is also a form of a I don't know. Let's go back to annuities versus pensions. So pensions are annuities. Annuities are a type of a self-funded pension. What that means is that you're drawing income for a perceived length of time, whether it be the individual life or the collective lives. And that's one of the most important things that gets left out with the pensions is the spousal benefit options. Yeah, don't think you can't have a pension just because you don't currently have a pension. It doesn't have to be a company-sponsored pension, as James is saying. We'll help you set aside some of your investment resources in nest egg into a fully insured account of your own personal direction, your private pension that will pay you guarantees of income every month for both of your forevers, just as though you had a pension from a company. But you'll be the boss. It's private. What is behavioral finance? What is investor perception? Why do these things even matter? They matter greatly, but we'll tell you why later in the show. What does it mean to have biases that affects your money? What strategies can a good financial professional use to help you avoid these biases? And why don't more financial advisors, while we're talking about financial advisors here, why don't more of them talk about this type of, of investing? And last but not least, what should you look for when choosing the right financial advisor? So those are just some of the things we're going to talk about throughout today's show. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show at Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients, not companies. That's Main Street and not Wall Street. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford. We also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? All right. Six common misconceptions about retirement. Now, avoiding common misconceptions and biases, well, that could help you in those, well, retirement years, all the remaining years of your life when you walk away from the workplace. And as people, you know, we're always 
pretty much always going to assume things when it comes to different areas of life, you know, topics, concepts, religion, politics, and money. How about markets too? So whether it's something as simple as choosing a movie to watch or as complex about building a home or assumptions that you're going to utilize to try to map out and build a financial plan that's going to work, it's all part of life. It's always going to be part of how we think. Now, assumptions and misconceptions, they can be damaging if you make them towards important decisions in your life before. Well, if you ever jump to a conclusion, it's kind of like you just jump to some kind of outcome. Maybe it's bias. Maybe it's misconception because you didn't have a full understanding of the position or situation, didn't have all the facts. Okay, getting all the facts is important. When you visit with us on a complimentary basis, excuse me, we're going to make sure we fully assess your current situation align everything to your actual goals, give money purposes, job description, create the right cash flow tied to your needs. And then we're going to call that your draft comprehensive financial plan. It's complimentary. Inside that, we're going to pivot and we're going to make specific recommendations on how you make that happen with a high probability of success, just the way you want it. Just like you just ordered your own burger, fries and shake, you know, just the way you want it. So we want you to therefore have all the facts because people who understand the facts make better decisions. So today, again, we're going to go over some of the misconceptions. We feel it's important that you have in mind when it comes to retirement. And as you can imagine, endless amount of misconceptions out there, lots of news, noise, and information flying at you from every direction, not always from such good sources either. So hand-selected few here. Key to these common misconceptions, as well as any other assumption, is to view all the sides of the story, get all the facts before jumping to a conclusion, James. Yes, jumping to conclusions, never a good thing. And I know this is not real subtle, but don't turn the word assume into a three-syllable word. Now, back to understanding things fully. Yes, it's important that you do understand what you're invested in, why you're invested in it, but it does mean you need to know how the watch works just to be able to tell the time of the day. That means when it comes to your investments, that's where we come in. We're here to help inform, to educate, and to explain exactly what you're invested in and also why you're invested in it. So we do believe, strongly believe, that it's better to have too much information than not enough. So when we sit down with prospective clients, this is kind of like the beginning part of the relationship. We often ask them why they're invested the way they're invested. And one of the most common responses that we get is because their previous advisor put them there. They really don't have a good answer other than simply that. They, they can't explain why their money's invested the way it is. And we do think that that's just fundamentally wrong. That's kind of like saying the company that advisor, so-called advisor worked for, told them to put it there. Because most advisors that you consider advisors out there is, uh, you know, consumer investors, aren't actually advisors. They're brokers and registered reps that work for the company, not for you. They don't have a truly vested financial fiduciary standard, meaning putting your interest first in every transaction relationship for you. So when they lead you someplace, you assume it's for your own good. You assume it's what's best. But that assumption, remember about assumption, probably not so accurate. So I just want to jump in on that, that loose word or label, financial advisor. Arthur Levette, he wrote a book, Take on the Street. It's like, I don't know what it is, uh, chapter one, page 30. It says something about, you know, the broker, many, many, many financial advisors are, are they're actually brokers. 
He goes on to say they'll call themselves financial advisors, financial consultants, but in reality, they're not the same as a registered investment advisor who has a fiduciary interest, fiduciary duty to put your interests above his or her firm. That is the former SEC chairman saying that there are many people who really work for Wall Street from the brokerage community who are who are um, what wolves in sheep clothing. They're actually not financial fiduciaries. So you're getting what they put you in based on what the companies direct them to, not what actually might make you all better. Warren Buffett, I believe it was Buffett that was quoted as saying, a broker is kind of like um, a physician who gets paid by drug companies to give you the drugs that that they, you know, it may not actually make you all better. That's not a direct quote, but you can look it up. And this isn't a ding on physicians, but we all know that the pharmaceutical industry does have some pretty powerful channels and distribution and influence in the community. And so you need to really look behind the curtain and see if there's a little short fellow called the wizard or if there's really the all-powerful wizard himself at the helm working with you, doing things for you and not to you, just to thought there. Well, here, here's what it gets to. Our call to action is simply this. If you're in retirement or simply planning for retirement, if you're looking to better understand your investments, that's where we come in. It's a complimentary second opinion on the health of your wealth and our phone number, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. Greg? Well, let's look at misconception one. All retirement savings should be in qualified plans, such as IRAs and 401ks. Remember, that's a misconception. There are employer-sponsored retirement plans, such as the 401k, 403b, both traditional and these days Roth options too. Profit-sharing plans, also uh, known as defined benefit pension plans. Those are out there. And there are individually owned qualified retirement plans, such as traditional IRAs, including uh, SEPs, you know, the self-employment pension plans, uh, simple IRAs, as well as Roth IRAs. There's a lot to choose from in terms of those investment accounts that have a certain tax status. Tax status meaning qualified. The term qualified means that the plan meets certain IRS or government requirements and offers certain tax benefits. Predominantly, that tax benefit is perceived as being don't pay taxes now, pay less taxes now, pay taxes later. That means tax deferred. So those funds grow tax deferred. Your contributions, the growth, tax deferred, meaning whatever that is, when you start taking it out, it's going to be taxed. And oftentimes we'll throw out there that analogy that, you know, which you, if you were a farmer, you'd probably want to pay taxes on the seed and not the harvest. Well, the government knows that. When the government set the stage for you to do a whole lot of investing in seed and growing a great harvest so that Uncle Sam and you can get the benefit of the harvest because Uncle Sam will be there to tax all of your stuff that grows first and you get what's left. How much will be left, you might ask? We don't know, right? We don't know future tax brackets, future tax liabilities and cost of taxation on people who actually have money, who actually pay taxes, right? If that sounds like you, well, we better talk. We can talk about these things and map out a plan for you to be more tax friendly, more tax efficient, even more tax free, rather than tax trapped and taxed to death, particularly when you're not working anymore. And you're going through, you remember, you pay taxes when the monies are withdrawn or distributed. Does that sound like an activity you might do in retirement? Withdraw some of your money so that you can spend it as cash flow to do the things you always plan to enjoy in retirement? I bet so. So do you know how much the tax bill is going to be? 
Do you know if you need to take out a dollar to spend a dollar? And you need to take out a dollar sixty to be able to have a dollar after you pay the sixty cents on tax. That's what we want to help you see ahead as your scouts on this wagon train of retirement. Roth, on the other hand, it means that contributions have already been taxed. The funds grow in a tax-free basis. Therefore, distributions are tax-free. So getting more money in that category would mean you take out a dollar, you keep a dollar because there's no tax liability on it on future growth or even uh, no tax on to um, surviving spouse or beneficiaries and heirs. I can tell you, folks, we can tell you several of these concepts are under attack right now through proposed tax policies. And we ought to get together and talk about it. Now, just know that the Roth, when it comes to withdrawals, they're subject to a five year seasoning rule. Okay, there's some of the money you can get to that you put in. There's some of the money you can't unless it's been there five years or greater in your certain age, such as the rule of all retirement plans are subject to a 10% early distribution penalty if withdrawn prior to age 59 and a half. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. They vary based on plan type. And again, all that mumbo jumbo I just rattled just means you probably ought to be working with someone who knows these things. We do investments, insurance, estate planning, financial planning, investment management, and Taxes. tax advisory, tax preparation, Medicare, pension, lump sum pension, decision making, Social Security maximization, health care gap. If you're retiring before Medicare age and need a little something to get you through all of that in one place, holistically, like the Mayo Clinic of Financial Services, we're different. OK, we're different. We're going to help you in each area. The more you use of these services, the better you're going to be and the better relationships going to be over the course of time. So anyway. Our fundamental office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Hello, and welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. And it really does all start with the plan. That means actually having a plan, knowing what you own, why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, social security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, and for some, perhaps even an in-service rollover. All those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? So today, in continuing with six common misconceptions about retirement, you know, one, one uh, this is a seventh, so just throw it in. Misconceptions about how long you'll be at your current job or even in your career path. You know, COVID's thrown a monkey wrench in some of the lives of people. And one example is it might have brought on a buyout opportunity if you're in a certain age group or you've been at the company long enough that you're kind of costing them too much. And they want to buy you out and move some less costly folks back into your position. Even ask you to train your replacement as it goes. It's just, you know, it's just the world we live in. We'll help you make decisions over that thing that you might be confronting financially. And if you're out there and um, maybe it's just time for a general buyout, there's some resizing, downsizing, whatever with the organization, or you're about to step out of retirement early because you've had enough and the market's been pretty good and you want to take your money and run. Be careful on that note because good markets turn to less desirable markets. It's all one big roller coaster, but we'll help you confront those. 
project out some plans, some possibilities. We'll look at a, a bearish look at it, a bullish look at it, everything between some what ifs, if you will. So you can do this with uh, some confidence. Or you might even find that you're just on the wrong side of this uh, this debate of to be vaccinated or not vaccinated. Okay, it's a very personal choice. But at the same time, we're seeing greater federal, state, and even employer-based requirements set in that you may have to take it to maintain your job, and you're just not going to do that. Well, give us a call because we should roll that 401k-403b over into an IRA and get your private plan funded and up and running as you look for a new job. We just want to help you with all those financial intersections and crossroads. You don't have to go it alone. That's the whole point. We were working with the first misconception kind of tied to the same that not all of your retirement savings needs to be in those qualified plans, IRAs, and 401ks. The misconception is it should be, but no, it should not. We covered some of those reasons why. A lot of it has to do with most of those plans, although convenient, you know, contribute up to the match. Sure, why not? But be careful beyond that because those tax-deferred accounts might get you a tax reduction today, but will cost you an unknown amount of money to get your money safely liberated and end your wallet and purse later because it's never been taxed. It's going to be taxed later. Do you think taxes will be higher later? You got to come see us. You don't think taxes will be higher later and it's all good? Well, I don't know who you need to talk to, but I'd say you need to get better informed uh, amongst whatever you do investigate. Here's a way to remember this with alliteration. It'll be a ticking time bomb of taxation is what these qualified plans will look like, especially if they're all in traditional types of 401ks or 403bs or even IRAs. Monies that have never been taxed will be taxed whenever you take them out at whatever level and amount that you take them out. I tell you what, in a ball game, you cross the goal line as many times as you can. Just because you cross the goal line doesn't mean you've reached the finish line, James. Oh, yes. Misconception number two, retirement is a finish line. And yes, we've been there in some way or another, whether it be graduating high school, college, finishing some type of large project, even for some, paying off a mortgage especially if you've been paying on that for, what, 30 years, it seems like. So whatever it may be, reaching the end, yes, it's what we all strive for. And this is especially true when looking forward to that retirement date, at least for most people, right? Now, think about it. When you first started working, it might have been in your teens or at least in your early to mid-20s, and you continued to work seemingly forever. That means up until around age 65. So it's safe to say that, yes, that's an extremely long journey, to reach retirement, and most people think that they've reached the finish line when they finally do retire. So in some ways, you have, but now it's like a new beginning. And that's what we think retirement should be looked at is like a new beginning. That could last, by the way, for two, three, and for some people, even four decades. So one analogy is think about climbing a mountain. You don't really take the exact same steps going up the mountain as you do coming back down, right? So it's kind of the same way with retirement. The steps or the financial vehicles that got you to retirement likely are not the same ones that should or will get you through retirement. You know, you mentioned climbing the mountain. This is another misconception tied to the same. Uh, It goes to show you how many really actual misconceptions there can be when it comes to retirement and money and so forth. You're talking about going up the mountain. Do you know that more climbers, okay, climbing the mountain could be your accumulation phase where you're stacking it, stashing away, you're trying to grow it. You're accumulating money for that eventual time where you hit the peak, you transition to retirement, and you start the descent. 
You start distributing back to yourself. Well, there is more peril that climbers face on the descent than there is on the climbing of the mountain on the ascent. Think about that. So you might think most of your your, your uh, challenges are behind once you reach retirement. Well, if you're not careful with the wrong planning or an incomplete plan, you'll find that you can meet your peril disastrous outcome on the way down because most climbers of Everest die on the way down, not on the way up. Just some thoughts tied to an image or visual there. Misconception three, investing more predominantly in bonds as you grow older. Well, there are bond alternatives. Now, why do people even get into bonds? Well, traditional thinking is that, you know, you grow older, you should de-risk your portfolio, move some out of stocks and over into bonds. But there are other alternative asset classes other than bonds and, and fixed income products. So be advised. We want to advise you on what some of those are. Another asset class might be a fixed annuity or fixed index annuity, not variable annuity. If you have a variable annuity, please come see us. Do yourself a favor. Don't go back to the person that sold that thing to you because that's what it was. A banker, register up from a brokerage group. Don't go back to them. You'll get the same illustration. What you need is an illustration of facts and truth. What are the internal costs of those products? Three to 5% per year? That's you splitting or more your retirement uh, with a with an organization or a company. Your beneficiaries basically lose the inheritance mathematically. I'd like to show you how. Now, just as this disclaimer, disclosure, maybe not every variable annuity is just rotten, but I tell you what, we've seen enough of them that I need to be dramatic enough to catch your attention that you come in and find out what yours really is, because it'll matter. So an alternative asset class to bonds and fixed income may very well be a bond alternative, a fixed annuity that has a fixed interest rate that's consistently better than uh, bank CD rates, or uh, a fixed index annuity, which guarantees against, based on the full, the insurer's capacity to pay, which is good, but guarantees against downside while you participate in some upside as linked to major indices. So you get some, sometimes even most of the gains of a major indices return in a given year without the downside. That may be more favorable than bond. Bonds can go south on you. Bonds can be boring in terms of return right now because the interest rates are kind of compressed. There's been a lot of volatility in them. Just some thoughts. So even though they're viewed as more conservative, they might be more conservative than, than uh, equities, but it may not be the conservative placeholder that you'll need. You know, the only way to hold a bond with a certainty of outcome is if you hold that bond to its yield to maturity. That means you'll receive your principal back at the end of a specific time. Let's say it's a 10-year period. After 10 years, you get your principal back and the specific interest rate that was assured you as a coupon holder uh, as that bond matures. But between the point of investing in it and the point that you meet the maturity, that bond value can fluctuate up and down. And we've seen it both ways, at times very extensively down. And people who sold out down, lose money, lost money, and you can lose money on a bond just like you can on an equity, which is like a stock. So keep these things in mind. How and what you invest in is determined by need and purpose, your level of risk, and the degree to which you need income from the investment versus reinvesting its yield, which yield is a function of interest. It could be a function of dividend or it could be a yield associated with the bond. Just some thoughts there. Well, one of the reasons why I think people invest in the bonds is they seem to be okay with the small losses in bonds if they think or perhaps even fear that the alternative is the large losses in stocks or the equities. And then another reason perhaps is that there's the assumption 
that assumption once again, that the 30-year bull market in bonds is going to continue. And they don't really foresee the interest rates rising either significantly or at all, you know, based on what the Federal Reserve is doing or what they're not doing. And that is like a teeter-totter that could cause bond yields to suffer. So whether you like bonds or not, it's important to understand their full dynamics. That means understanding as interest rates rise, what happens to the yield or the interest rate or the value, the perceived value of your bonds. And yes, as Greg said, if you hold it to maturity, everything comes out even. But what if you actually want to sell? Yes, buy and sell your investments without having to hold that thing all the way to its, for example, 10-year maturity. There's more. There's much more. Our fund about the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned to listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are a registered investment advisor firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Y'all, Greg? Common misconceptions about retirement how to avoid misconceptions and biases that can impact your retirement years. That's our topic. Covered a few elements of misconceptions about overuse of qualified tax-deferred employer-sponsored plans. Uh, how about, uh, you know, investing too much in bonds or why bonds and how much in bonds? Are there alternatives to bonds? You know, we know that they can they can help when rebalancing. You take some of that more stable money when equities are down, take it from the bond side and invest back up to rebalance and buy those equities on sale. You know, there's just, there are ways, but we just want you to know there are alternatives. Uh, what causes you to behave certain ways when it comes to your money and decisions? Well, behavioral finance. Let's go over a few examples of behavioral biases, if you will, and behavioral finance issues that you may be able to avoid simply by having a better understanding awareness of what they are. Let's look at the first one that's kind of related to financial bias and behavioral bias as it affects finance and affinity bias. Affinity bias. It's very common. It goes something like this. We as people, we tend to buy stuff or invest in stuff based on how we personally feel about ourselves, our ideals, and what we like versus what we don't like or care for. Okay. That sounds like a definition of a bias in general. Um, who do you run with? You kind of become like them. Be careful who you run with, right? Uh, what do you like to do? Well, do you stock up on a lot of stuff because of your habits or your hobbies? Certainly. So it can happen as you invest too. Hypothetical example here is an investor chooses to purchase a stock because they relate or believe in the company values as it compares to their own self-image or value system. Does that sound like anyone? Let's take uh, Apple stock, for example. Throw out all the analysis and data on the stock and focus solely on its values. If you, you know, can relate to the values of Apple, I, you know, you may differ. I certainly don't agree with everything of a value system of Apple as a specific example as it relates to me, right? There's my bias. I've, ex I've expressed a bias there. But, you know, Apple is fun. It's fairly new still. They're innovative. They still bring out stuff. You know, new iPhones announced every couple months or a year. 
just always something seeming cutting edge. And if you previously owned Apple products and you kind of have a, a, a bias towards it, are you going to jump brands, jump to a different phone you're not familiar with, a different operating system? Does it mean you shouldn't? No, you just might not do what you should just because you have formed a habit or a bias. See, that's a marketing message as well as it is a practical reality. Whether they're actually irrelevant or relevant, just relevant to you and no one else, we better check the fundamentals. We better check reality check here. The investor buys Apple stock typically because they want to be perceived in the same light as the product's messaging or the product's use or your affinity, affinity bias. So that's a, that's an example, affinity bias. Well, here's another one, confirmation bias. And just a reminder about these different types of behavioral finance examples. Investor behavior, the emotions that go into these behaviors is one of the biggest risk factors to your retirement success. So when it comes to confirmation bias, for example, this has probably happened to you before. I know it's happened to us, but typically for investors, it goes like this. As consumers, when we're buying something or investing our money in something, we make decisions, or at least we tend to make decisions, and then we attempt to confirm that the decision that we made was the right one. And that means that if we have any type of doubt or we're having any type of buyer's remorse, we may go back and try to reconfirm that, yes, we were indeed right in what we did for our investment decision. And that also means that we tend to ignore the bad or the stuff we don't agree with and focus only on the good. And again, just for a confirmation that we were indeed right. Greg? How about recency bias? Okay, it's another one that goes like this. It's an inclination to remember what happened most recently without considering the overall performance or experience from that event. To translate that, we as people sometimes choose to have short-term memory, and we do it on purpose. Typically, we don't want to remember the bad stuff because it's painful, so we choose not to. So if you were looking back at 2008, you remember the losses, and it took uh, during the Great Recession for some people four to five years to get back, even if they stayed fully and properly invested. For others, better invested, maybe through active management and styles such as we offer. Maybe it, it didn't take nearly as long, but it took a period of time. Now today, roll the clock forward, the market having been in a bullish pattern for an extended period, you've forgotten all about it, just like childbirth, you're ready to have more children, here we go. You've been investing overly aggressive, you've increased your level of aggressive investing over your actual risk tolerance, because all you seem to remember is what to expect is great returns, because that's what you've enjoyed lately. And you superimpose that as some kind of reality, but it's not. It is a recency bias. And we need to check reality, don't we, James? Yes. Well, here's another one about reality versus perception. And this happens to people of all shapes, sizes, and cultures. We have preconceived perceptions on all sorts of different things. That includes the markets. That includes investments. That includes portfolio performance. And these perceptions usually differ sometimes quite widely. Yeah, like the reality that you lost a lot of money in 2008, but you choose to forget it to the point you don't even invest as though that was real, that was reality, but that your perception isn't the reality. Well, here's another one, and I've, I've seen this and heard this from multiple people, where they look at, for example, precious metals. Gold is a great example, where they don't really perceive the risk, the volatility of commodities such as gold, so they don't associate as much risk as what there really is. So in some ways, their perception has become the reality, but their reality is not really the reality of everyone else or what should be the reality of everyone else. That is so true. They forget in reality, 
things like 10% cost to get into it, 10% to get out of it. You might owe a 28% luxury tax on the gains of it. Just little things that one forgets when their perception doesn't meet reality. Greg, what's misconception number four? Well, income is not a major concern. Cash flows everything in retirement. What do you mean income is not a major concern? When you're working and putting away money so you can retire someday, the focus may not be then on income. It's on growth and accumulation and so forth. But when you transition to retirement, it's all about income, whether you reinvest it or use it or prepare it to be available to you as inflation increases over time, where today's income might be enough, but tomorrow's might need offset by your investments. But for most investors, they need to use part of their nest egg converted as income, converted as cash flow to fill the income gap of needs so they can enjoy month after month after month of prosperity throughout all retirement. So yes, income is probably important. You should have an eye to it during accumulation. So you're investing the right things that can transition. You certainly need the growth during that accumulation phase, but you need an income preservation and distribution strategy in the distribution phase of retirement. There's something better and best for that Don't risk taking it the wrong approach. All right. Misconception number five, retirement means that your life is no longer useful. Ouch. Well, let's tackle this one. This misconception, I think, is rooted in a definition that says that retirement. So think about investments. Retirement is the disposition of an asset over its useful life. So, yes, it's kind of the dispassionate, dis unemotional way of saying that if you have, for example, real estate and you're disposing of property or an asset, yes, it's very dispassionate when it comes to that definition. But life is much, much more precious than that. So the assumption is that someone's life is no longer useful once you're retired. No, that's not the truth. In fact, we don't think it could be any further from the truth. So when you do retire, yes, you do enter a new phase of life and it should be exciting. It should be full of new experiences, and it's the time to make the most of what's important to you and also your family. Yeah. And yes, we've worked what seems like our entire lives to reach retirement. So this is when it's really important to start enjoying what might be your silver or perhaps your golden years. I'd say it's ex- exceedingly useful because now you have time to use for the things you enjoy, not just work. As far as consumption, you drive the economy, baby, they might say, because you're out there spending money as you're as you're distributing back to yourself from your life savings to support your needs. You're buying stuff. You're very relevant economically, personally, uh, you, you just to your family and what you leave behind, leave efficiently, tax friendly to the people you love, the charities you care about will help you with all the above getting there, um, enjoying retirement after you get there and how to end well when you're done and it's time to wrap it up. Like standard of care financial professionals, what do you need to hold yourself to? Well, the answer to the question matters greatly. Make sure you understand what standard of care your current professional is required to adhere to. Are they really a financial professional? Are they a financial professional for the company or for you? What does it mean? There are regulatory standards that apply to what work we do. We are your financial fiduciary. We put your interests first ahead of our firm. The best interest for the duration of our relationship while disclosing any potential conflicts of interest. That's not Wall Street. That's not an insurance agent. That's not a broker or registered rep. That's an independent registered financial advisor working for, that's our catchphrase here, working for clients, not companies. Okay, we provide insurance recommendations, estate recommendations, financial planning recommendations, investment recommendations. But we wear different hats and are clear to you what standard we're holding. 
and that is vitally important. Where you get your information advice, it matters. It's like saying, who do you listen to? Why do you listen to them? And I know there's there's more that part of today's show, but just remember this. If you have questions, if you need answers, we're here to help. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. Yeah, Greg, James, any closing thoughts? We, we want everyone to have a great week and just pick up the phone, call us, or visit us online. We'll sit down together and have a complimentary session, provide you on a complimentary basis without obligation, solutions, real-world solutions for your needs. So you succeed on purpose, not happenstance. Have a great week. Folks. And our phone number, 513-575-9654. So once again, on behalf of Greg and myself, James, thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. <laughs>